0: Good afternoon or evening or good morning. This is. Or good night. Good night. This is Mindful Conversations with Matt and Rob. Hi, I'm Rob. And we have two very special people in the studio today. Hi, Elizabeth. Hi, Rob. Hi, Matt. Hi, Ashley. Hi,
1: Rob. Hi, Matt.
2: And they are part of our team here at Response Care Center. Yes. They're two therapists to. Uh, work with our team. Yep, that is
0: right. And so we are going to inquire their great, brilliant minds about family systems or just family dynamics. During the holidays. During the holidays. So we've already um, taken a step through Thanksgiving. How did everybody's Thanksgiving go? Good.
1: Better than expected.
0: (laughs) That's always a win. Better than expected.
3: Ours was okay. We were home. We were in quarantine because my oldest son had COVID.
0: hmm You were sharing that pre-recording. Yeah. I think we'll talk a little bit about that, some of the dynamics that happen, the reality of what's happening. For those of you that listened to episode 21, um, rest assured, my wife's gravy turned out fine. I was wondering about that. I know, that was a cliffhanger. That was a cliffhanger. Like everything hinged on the turkey wing gravy. (laughs) But you didn't bring any in to share. I actually do have some left over, but now it's getting a little outdated. Okay. It's
2: got a little fuzz on the top. (laughs) Did she know that you made... That I was just curious. Does she listen to the podcast? I don't
0: think she's listened to this one. Okay. Not 21. Okay. But uh, I did. I, when I was, when I was publishing it, she heard something I said that wasn't true. And so I got in trouble. Ah, anyways. Um, so Ashley, Elizabeth, um, you guys are coming to this somewhat spontaneously,
1: Somewhat, somewhat Somewhat. spontaneously. (laughs) Um.
0: I tend to be kind of a go with the win kind of guy. Yes. But we were having some conversation. I said, This was some good conversation. No, seriously, very good conversation that we're going to continue because we've hit the record button. So let's talk about the holiday season. How does the holiday season impact our family dynamics? What's happening? maybe from a historical perspective, but then now in COVID, as Elizabeth has mentioned in her own family, what is happening to families during this holiday season?
1: I think like as a whole, even before COVID, um, I think holidays put families under more stress and pressure just in general for most people. You know, you're seeing extended family that you don't always see all the time. You're navigating Other relationships that you don't have to navigate on a daily basis, per se. And then you're throwing that... Rob, I think it was you who gave me this analogy when we worked at Cornerstone together. That idea of being put in a pressure cooker. Like, when you've already got pressure, but then you add more, you're going to get more, just more of that internal pressure. And I think that even lends itself to more irritability, more tempers being brought out, you know, or people are trying to keep it together for great aunt so-and-so that they don't see all the time. And so trying to put on that good face in light of being put in a pressure cooker. And then when we add COVID to it and other opinions on other things, whether, you know, just with everything going on in our society right now.
2: Mm. To mask, not to mask, to vaccinate, not to vaccinate. All politics the, in general. The politics and the fragmentation. And like we were talking about earlier, kind of like dehumanizing. So we don't seek first to understand someone else's perspective. We just kind of lead with our own, regardless.
0: Yeah. Confusing, difficult. I know that in my own family, extended family in Kansas City, uh, I've got three sisters. They'll never listen to my podcast. They don't care about my family. <laughs> right. But you know, one nephew isn't vaccinated. Right. And he's not like an anti-vaxxer or whatever, mm-hmm. but he, um, wasn't invited to one of my sisters, you know? And so, but they, it was very peaceful. Like they didn't get up in arms over it, but it does continue to perpetuate separation mm-hmm. and that's new. Right. And whenever we experience, I mean, holidays represent tradition Mm -hmm. for the most part. And this has put a a new twist on tradition. And so family systems are practicing something different today than they did historically.
1: Mm -hmm. I think with that, Matt, as soon as you said tradition, what we have some people going through is last year it looked different for most everybody with lockdowns and everything else. And then this year to even have it continue when. We didn't think we would. You get this grief element that I don't think is really even in the forefront of everything that is different. And what's hard is, I'm trying to think how best to explain this. For some people, things have gone back to normal. For others, they haven't because of, you know, the pandemic or whatever it is. And so that grief element that others might be experiencing that they don't even realize because a lot of your traditions have changed.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. We said something in our group supervision that unresolved trauma can then become culture culture. Yeah, or the effects of unresolved trauma shape culture, culture within family systems, culture within the workplace. I just keep hearing messages, for example, healthcare workers dealing with COVID. I mean, we're spiking again with COVID cases. And I do have some nurse friends and they talk about the beds all being filled. Uh, A close friend of mine, actually, you know, in my church community uh, father was diagnosed with COVID ended up passing away. Um, There was no bed for him, you know? So it's like, yeah, this is impacting our family system concept of what we typically find as support system.
2: Went to Ashley's point earlier. When you add pressure into the mix, emotion goes up, assessment goes down, trauma takes executive functioning offline, and now we're trying to connect with each other in a way that is more just raw emotion, whether it involves grief, death and dying, losses of tradition, because I was always thinking, I was also thinking when you talked about the holidays represent tradition, I believe that but I think they also represent obligation
1: mm-hmm.
2: and many of us connect with our families out of obligation. And I'm not always convinced that's a real healthy way to be connecting. Mm-hmm. We're, we're kind of like forcing intimacy with people who don't want to be connected sometimes. And oh, yeah. we call it family. So we're obligated to do it.
1: Mm. Cause what's that saying? It's like, Nothing is thicker than blood or something like that.
0: I know they say water is thick. No. No. Blood blood is water is not than water. thicker. What? Blood is thicker than water. Okay, thank you for so that clarification. blood clarific.
1: representation
3: of family. Yeah. Family is more important than friends.
2: You do everything for the family.
1: Nice godfather impression. In case somebody (laughs) wasn't sure
3: what that
2: was. Yeah, right. Just just Google it. She was just being nice.
3: (laughs) We always uh, discuss family and our friends in terms of family and our chosen family. So we have um, two Thanksgivings every year with our blood family and then our chosen family. We call it Friendsgiving. We were able to go to Friendsgiving this year because we were just past the point of... um, being in quarantine and we tested and everybody tested negative so that we could go but we did miss our family um thanksgiving and that was okay but for my son who had covid there was a lot of guilt surrounding that for him so he he kind of carried that like i got covid and i prevented everybody from being it's together. my fault yeah, I, you know, how old is he he's 10
2: yeah so it'd be false guilt but he would not discern that yeah.
3: So, we had to have a lot of discussions throughout the week leading up. Like, it's okay. Nobody's upset. Like, this is just, you know, the new normal sometimes. And so that was difficult for him to kind of wrestle with over the week. Um, and we had a nice Thanksgiving, just our family. It was mm-hmm. very different from what we're used to. We're used to having about 25 to 30 people, um, and it was just the five of us. But um, it was, yeah, it was very different from our normal traditions this year.
0: How, um, let me just ask, how old is your son? 10. So 10 years old. Okay, and I'm trying to think, bearing the weight of first time having COVID? Yes. Okay. And then having to feel the weight of my having COVID is affecting my family.
2: And he's smart. So he would connect those dots. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. But that's real for him. Oh, totally. Right? And, and so, he's, so he's navigating through that. But as mom, you're navigating with him through mm-hmm. that. Yeah,
3: just trying to be open about it to say, yes, you got COVID. It's nobody's fault that you got COVID. Least of all your fault that you got COVID. <laughs> and, you know, things happen, but that doesn't equate to fault.
0: Mm-hmm. And COVID is now or at least from my perspective, it feels more normal. Like having COVID in our culture, like when people say, you know, like I had a client cancel because they've got, she and her husband have COVID. That's not, that's not like a surprise to me, but there is a concern. Mm -hmm. Like now it feels like, okay, some people are vaccinated and they're getting COVID. Some people aren't vaccinated. They're getting COVID. Uh, But you have that concern, like, well, what does this mean? Like, I hope you're okay. I hope you navigate through this okay. Um, But it's still in our life, and it's just common, and media continues to show us more strains are continuing to be, you know, a threat, so it's not getting better. You read the headlines. This this strain is going to be maybe more contagious, more transferable.
2: Well, it's interesting because trauma – at the heart of it, not exclusively, but at it, at the heart of its definition is, I'm afraid for my life. Mm-hmm. And COVID poses that in all capital letters. So fear doesn't make good decisions, typically. Um, and now, with each new wave or each new strand or variant of the disease, it re-triggers or re activates that threat. What does this mean for me? And Mm -hmm. uncertainty, and humans don't generally do real well with uncertainty.
1: Well, and I think what's hard with that, Rob, is kind of like we were having the, in the large group discussion, for some people, they're not even reading headlines of COVID anymore. They don't think about COVID, you know, Um, and then I'm going to kind of throw you and I under the bus, if that's okay. You know, for people that have other health conditions i've got an autoimmune disorder for me it feels very trauma-based of oh my gosh when when can i feel okay Mm -hmm. at times and i think that's what makes it hard in the family system is people can exist anywhere on this continuum even with just with covid you know and so when you had made the comment like we're not seeking first to understand and so if i'm you know if i'm looking at a family gathering and i know there's going to be like seven households Many people might not even look at that. With having an autoimmune disorder, I'm going, oh my gosh, that's seven different households. I can't, I can't do that from a medical standpoint. I can't. And then I have others looking at me going, well, you're choosing not to. And so now we've got, if we look at it from a trauma perspective, we also have people's trauma and their own emotions being denied.
2: Yeah. You know, And,
1: and the flip side of that is true. Like we're in this very polarized judgmental state in multiple different ways
2: and we don't i don't know how to articulate this but we don't typically see um how i experiencing how i experience you i will give you the same type of behavior back but i won't recognize that i'm doing it Mm -hmm. that wasn't articulated very well but
1: no but what you're trying to say is like you know if i sit here and i You know, if I judge somebody and I'm having very negative feelings towards them because of maybe a choice they made regarding vaccines, well, that's kind of the same thing they're doing to me. And so we're just perpetuating the issue. We're just perpetuating the overall process of this.
2: That's exactly right. It's like we have lost the ability to agree to disagree. But when you add a fear of whatever that may be into the mix, It takes a lot of maturity to navigate those waters. And generally, we don't see that in our culture or in the families.
3: I think that there's been a lot of um, it's either or. Yeah. And not both.
2: It's a false binary.
3: Yeah. And so many times it's both.
0: Wow, that was good. Yeah. Wait a minute. False binary. That's a new word for me.
1: Oh, everybody shifted to me at one time. Um, (laughs) I'm actually stealing this off of another podcast I listened to called The Holy Post. So I'll give them credit. I don't know. If anybody happens to listen to this, but, um, but it's this whole idea that, I mean, naturally as humans, we want to simplify things because I think it makes us feel more in control. And so when we put things in a binary, yes or no, black or white, we simplify it down, but then you further that polarization, you know, because I would never, before all this happened, I would consider myself almost apolitical. But just because of the false binary and the extremes, suddenly I find myself in a camp going, wait, am I really in this camp? I've never been in this camp before, but it's that false binary and that polarization. Mm-hmm. You know, oops, sorry, Rob. No, that's all right. And, you know, as we're thinking about how this affects family systems, I'm going to nerd out for a minute. Um, Please. But when we think about like structural family systems by Minuchin, that whole idea of subsystems and polarization can even bring in some Bowen or Bowenian and triangulation with navigating right now with political, all the political stuff in mm-hmm. COVID, it's making all of these divides that tend to occur naturally in family systems. That's why they end up in our offices, but it's like amplifying it tenfold.
0: So if we bring the conversation, this mindful conversation about family uh, with some of the theoretical orientation that you're presenting to our listener, when they think when we say family system, what do we mean? Do we
2: mean, like, what what is a family system? Well, today, a family system can be defined mm-hmm. almost uh, in a variety of different ways. But the simplest form of defining a family system is any group of people, two or more people, who are together and consider themselves to be connected mm-hmm. under that, let's say, family label. Mm-hmm. When Ashley is talking about family systems, that's a term that therapists and researchers use. They look at the dynamics of how we relate to one another. Mm-hmm. And in that context, um, her point is there is a humans generally like predictability and we generalize. We do think in terms of all or nothing, black or white. Mm-hmm. And yes. it takes work not to do that.
0: So as one part of the system moves, it affects the other parts.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. In good or not so good ways. Healthy or unhealthy ways.
1: One well, in family system work, like one of your overarching goals is often to improve family flexibility. Many of your family theorists would say families get stuck when they are unable to adapt to changes in the family system. And so if you, like if the four of us sitting around this table... Um, for the listener, we're all sitting kind of in a circle. If we all hold hands and somebody comes up behind me and pulls me, if I hold on to you guys, Matt, even though you're across from me and I'm not touching you, you're going to be impacted by somebody pulling me. That's how family systems from, you know, kind of a more of a practical
0: sense work. Thank you for that visual. I'm a visual learner. And that that image just helped me to conceptualize the idea. Um, And, systems you know, so husband wife right there's two people that's a system mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. at a at a child have two three you get outnumbered right and then it becomes just a, a, a like I have a 24 and 22 year old that are both out of my house Ash, Ashley, I was talking to you earlier you have a four and a eight eight year old mm-hmm. like I'm I'm in a different category that my system now is me my wife and my golden retriever. Odin, who I, I name every day, every every podcast. I know. I Odin's important. I, I, I always give Odin, like, kudos. You do? Yeah, I took him on a hike at Custer yesterday. We had a blast. He did seven <laughs> miles, and he was pooped last night. Nice.
1: So, Matt, do you ever mention your girl's name? Because I hear you mention your dog. I'm just going to throw this out there. So,
0: in my system now, my kids have abandoned me. And I, 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 have, I have a surrogate son through my golden <laughs> retriever, Odin. <laughs> Sure. But, but the system has simplified for me, but I also get along well with my wife. That's and, helpful. And that's not always the case. That hasn't always been the case, right? Um, but let's turn the conversation to what, what are the things that work for family systems while we're navigating through the holidays? Isn't that kind of what you yeah. said, Dr. Rob? It's like, all right, what are the things that work?
2: I think... One of the most practical things that you can do is accept It's not an easy thing but Elizabeth and I are not the same person. We share different experiences, different backgrounds even though we're friends and have been friends for a long time. We don't have the same always the same worldview we don't have there's a lot of differences that could that could serve to divide us unless, I accept her and value her for who she is.
3: I think earlier, Dr. Rob, you said, um, healthy or unhealthy um, responses, and I think we can shoot for neutral sometimes. yeah, like where it's not it, it, it's not either one, where it's just an interaction that doesn't have to be polarizing or um, inflammatory, where it's just oh, that's your opinion. That's what you think. okay.
2: Yeah. I. And You're th- saying that's acceptable? Yes. Okay. That gives a third option, if you will.
3: Because we're never, I mean, we're never, just like you and I are never going to agree on all subject matter or belief systems or, I mean, it's just the same within families. I think we have this idea that within a family system, because we're, we're together in this household, that belief systems are the same, but so oftentimes they're not. And as families move on and, kids move out and meet significant others and have children those belief systems morph and change and add and subtract and so change is always happening within the family system and so can you just shoot for neutral when you disagree about something
2: I agree because it it's like I would think it would be unhealthy if we agreed on everything yeah right that's that's not it. that's not who she is it's not who I am but the point of acceptance um, seeking first to understand before being understood. Uh, I, I think valuing, you know, trying to trying to value the diversity that exists within the context of a family, those are elements that are, in my mind, durable and useful for mitigating conflict. But if you want to fight and you have that immaturity, there's enough out there to fight about. And families have been doing it for centuries.
3: I think that the hard part about this particular subject matter with COVID and, and with politics is that people are feeling impacted, right? So we're feeling that family members' decisions about masking or vaccinating is impacting us, right? Yeah. So And so when we feel impacted with something, we want to create change in the other person or a change in opinion in the, in the other person. And that is happening where it really hasn't happened at any other point in history about anything in the way that that COVID is affecting us right now and and the perceived, let's say perceived impact that other people's decisions are having on other individuals.
2: I would say, and I don't know if this is what you mean, but the impact is in the category of fear and the impact is I feel out of control or I'm afraid I'm out of control I can't control Elizabeth's decision to fill in the blank and the human appears to want to just control yeah cuz I feel safest when I'm in control even if that control is an illusion yes again we've talked about this in in earlier episodes
0: under the series on maturity yeah that control is core to human nature yeah Right. But so is, so is passivity and like, uh, in our group supervision, the fight, flight or freeze. But then Ashley, you described the fawn, which is more of this active turning toward like the abuser, not the abuser, but the, the,
1: I think of it as like people pleasing to an unhealthy extreme.
0: Yeah. But that's my, that's my physiological reaction mm-hmm. to and that's stress.
2: And what you're talking about is responses to trauma. Responses to traumatic experiences. Or fear. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Going back to the image that Ashley gave us, that if we were all holding hands and someone pulled on her, then it's going to affect the whole system. So now I'm thinking about things that work, like acceptance. Acceptance that the family system is dynamic. Mm-hmm. You're part of dynamic elements. Kids have the dynamic of school. Right, mass, no mass, um, bullying, um, whatever the stressors are, um, marriage, relationship, um, vacations, whatever it is, the dynamic is the whole system is in flux, always in flux. And yet, one of the things I think that we want instinctively is to be grounded. And sometimes we choose unhealthy grounding strategies to keep things. Because we don't want more flux. We don't want more movement. We don't want more. We want something to
2: be the same. Like I want it to go back to the way it was. Well, in systems theory, the saying is the more things change, the more they stay the same. So the system always forces itself in some ways to find a homeostasis or a balance. That's part of the systems theory and family dynamics. We're always trying to go back. Kind of like back to the stability thing. So the idea, the the principle you
0: raised that that we come to some sense of acceptance. Yes. Okay, so accept the fact, you, you try this on, accept the fact that things are going to be different or difficult.
2: Yeah. And, and I, I
0: won't necessarily be able to find a solution well, for the problem.
1: I'm going to interject. Sorry, gentlemen. Ryan. So here's the thing. I love the term radical acceptance. But when we define acceptance, we often confuse that acceptance is agreement. Acceptance is not agreement. Acceptance is, you know what, I, I don't like this situation. I might even disagree with it. But when I look at what's within my control and what I'm willing to sacrifice or not sacrifice, can I accept this? And I think as a whole, even say as a country we are pretty resistant to acceptance because we feel then I'm agreeing or acquiescing and I'm giving in to the other side. You're I,
3: conceding.
1: Yes. So like coming back to that false binary, if we have that view of, well, I'm conceding. If I, I don't push back on Uncle Joe's very political comment that he just made, then I'm conceding to his side. When, no, it's just you're actually giving yourself permission to have maturity and say, you know what Uncle Joe's pretty steep in his belief. What good is it going to do if I push back on that?
0: Mm. So so that's the mature version yeah of being in the system
2: and practicing
0: acceptance right and without a- agreement.
2: And Ashley wisely um, looked at the element of acceptance. She's right. It's not always agreement. It can Im- it can include that. But it's not, into your point, definitely. The brain doesn't make good distinctions, and those are subtle distinctions. Right. Just because I accept, let's say with Elizabeth, just because Elizabeth and I accept each other for who we are does not then def- make a default setting where I am um, conceding to her on a, a point of disagreement or collaborating with her on a point of disagreement. Mm-hmm.
3: Well, and I think that too... You know, say you started using language or actions that I found to be harmful. Um, you know, acceptance can also be to walk away. Yes. <laughs> to say I'm not okay with how you're acting, and yeah. I'm going to remove myself from the situation. Um, and and that's not, you know, inflammatory in and of itself. It can be, and sometimes right. when you do set that boundary for family, in particular. Um, it can become very inflammatory, but I think for me that is also a point of acceptance to say I'm not okay with this, and I'm going to remove myself from and, the situation.
2: And to her point, if maturity is in the in the mix, and I care about this relationship, then I'm going to change. I'm I'm going to do something that's going to protect the relationship because whatever she's confronting me about, that's something that I can't just minimize or rationalize i have to i have to understand why she's um why she's dealing confronting me with this issue and and see it from her perspective so that my mature response would be to protect the relationship okay so the first principle things that work um
0: acceptance i'm hearing a second principle that when you've practiced acceptance you try to understand. Okay. Try to understand to Elizabeth's point. Yeah. You're not giving up your right to your position by seeking to understand somebody else's.
2: No, they what's, might have a good reason for why they're What's doing the what they're outcome?
0: Doing. If you practice that level of maturity, what's the outcome on the family system? If you have acceptance and you're practicing seeking to understand?
2: I think the first outcome is you're, you're protect. You're protecting the relationships that you say are important. So you're engaging in a respectful, considerate, mature way. That that to me is protecting those relationships that, like I said, we think are important.
1: And I think you're inherently you're not going to continue adding chaos to the family system. Yes, I think great point. In When I think about the big picture, like everything is chaos from our internal selves being chaotic, you know, depending on the level of trauma you're experiencing, whether that's a big T trauma or small T trauma. um, By choosing to walk away and being able to tell yourself, this is not me agreeing with their standpoint. This is me choosing, even from a bigger societal side. This is me choosing to ending the polarization and the chaos that is happening. Even if it's just in my direct family system, only one way, like I think of, I think it's Einstein who says, um, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. You know, um, for a year, over a year and a half now, there's a lot of things that have been done over and over again and nothing is changing in regards to the chaos. And so when you choose to act differently, You are choosing to be an agent of change in that family system, but when you choose to act in a mature way, hopefully you'll settle some of the chaos.
3: Well, and at the end of the day, the only person you have any semblance of control over in that situation is yourself. And so you're probably not going to have a high level of influence to change the other participants in the family system's um, standpoints or positions. And so rising to that inflammatory interaction isn't really most likely going to change anyone's thinking. Um, And so by removing yourself, by saying, you know, I'm not going to participate in that inflammatory interaction and I'm going to walk away, um, you're keeping control over yourself.
1: Speaking of the self, like one thing, I, when we think about what works right now, Mm -hmm. Again, we only have control over ourselves. So I think one thing that works is looking at your own regulation. Where are you checking in? You know, we don't realize that as every day goes on, we hear different things that we might not be overtly aware of that impact even our internal states. And to Rob's point a while ago, that idea that many family gatherings can be out of obligation, you're already not, likely not in a neutral state. (laughs) Like you're already probably your nervous system's a little amped up thinking about, oh my gosh, you know? And so that idea of if, well, I'm going to go on a little tangent, give yourself permission to not go if it's really that bothersome. And I know that for some, their family value is such that they feel that they have to go because it is blood, you know? Um, But if it's really something that could just further splinter the family, then give yourself permission to not engage this year. Mm Mm-hmm. But thinking about yourself and your own regulation, whether that's through deep breathing or listening to some piano and cello music like the four of us did before we got on here, you know, but look at your own regulation. Because, mm-hmm. again, to Elizabeth's brilliant point, we only have control of ourselves. And the more you try to change others at, the, at this point or just in general, that's likely just going to dysregulate yourself and just further harming yourself and not others.
0: So, there's a third principle acceptance,
2: understanding, and
0: realizing I only have control of myself.
2: So, would you put that under self awareness?
1: I mean, I put it just because of my background, I put it under self awareness, but it's also that regulation piece.
2: Yeah, the window of tolerance yeah. that we've talked about before. I can handle some pretty aggressive disagreements as long as I stay within my own window of tolerance. Mm-hmm. That's thinking and feeling at the same time. If mm-hmm. I go above hyper or hypo below, it creates problems.
0: Yeah. Uncle Joe wants to have the political conversation to to add more chaos to the system.
2: Mm-hmm. Intentionally or
0: unintentionally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exa- yeah. It's entertainment, right? He knows the buttons to push. And you're saying, Ashley, if you do decide to go and you find yourself in that invitation How do I accept this is uncle Joe Mm -hmm. and I can only control my response and I'm going to choose just to brush this off. I may not be able to physically leave the house, but I can go into a different room Mm -hmm.
1: or go talk to somebody
0: else, go talk, but you're doing something actively that works, Mm -hmm. works for regulation, Mm -hmm. works for the family system. We're not saying there aren't dynamics that are pulling on that system, Mm -hmm. We're saying you're making a decision to be wise in your self assessment. You're coming to acceptance. You're seeking to understand, and you're exercising your ability to choose if I stay engaged or not.
2: Mm-hmm. That's mitigating. That's how I think of it. I'm mitigating. I don't have to pick up a fight with the uncle.
3: I just keep thinking as we're tight, tar- as you're like overviewing all that, that it, though practicing those things are prioritizing the relationship. Yes. And not prioritizing your opinions.
0: Boom. There's another mic drop. I was just going to say God. that's a mic drop. This is why we have smarter people than us in the room. I agree.
1: Ooh! did you hear that, Elizabeth?
3: <laughs> uh, I recorded it. Oh, I, wait. Don't, I don't think I have a mic drop moment yet.
0: <laughs> I don't think I do so. Okay, elaborate on that just for a moment. You just said that this type of choice advocates for the relationship
3: yeah I think it it prioritizes the relationship over your opinion. So when we think about families and family systems, they're all made up of relationships. and oftentimes when we're going out of obligation, it's because we have a relationship with these people that we prioritize. and so i I, I don't know where to go more with that, but no, that's it's just great. kind of what it's my, well what articulated.
2: My Can I add
1: a little something to that? Not only are you prioritizing the relationship, I think you're also prioritizing your own mental health. Mm -hmm. For sure. You know, because the the thing that I feel like people need to recognize is at this point, you know, 20-something months in, I think, people have already had the conversations. You know, you're only going to, again, jump into that insanity. So, you know, I mean... Chances are, Uncle Joe. Before this, and sorry if your name is Joe. We're not picking <laughs> yeah. on you, um, you know. But poor it's, Joe. I know. <laughs> kind of like the name Karen now. I feel bad for every Karen, but um, you know, you're also prioritizing your own mental health because you're choosing not to enter into something that's just going to, you know, dysregulate you, tick you off, you know, and take away from your own peace.
2: Well, it's counterproductive because I think it was Elizabeth or someone earlier. It's like you're not going to change Mm-mm. facts are not no. facts are not important as someone <laughs> whose mind is already made up. So we're whatever that vantage point or angle is, you're not changing uncle Joe.
1: No. And Rob, you said early or like that thinking and feeling the truth is most people are more on that feeling side than the thinking side. Yeah. And so why are we trying to engage in a conversation that involves the executive functioning, emotional regulation part of our brain that often is already offline, and so, you know.
2: Yeah, you you as soon as executive functioning goes offline, reasoning it's going to be raw emotion. Mm-hmm. Hey, hey, clinicians, can you define
0: <laughs> executive functioning?
1: Yeah, Rob, define that one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> executive
2: functioning is dumb it
0: down for the rest of
2: logic. us. Logic, like logic, the ability to hear an argument and to see it from different perspectives and different sides without just fighting about your own agenda. So executive functioning is that logical, rational part of the brain where the frontal cortex, where I can entertain what Elizabeth is saying to me and see it from her perspective and think, oh, she's got a good point. As opposed to when executive functioning goes offline, it's like, well, you don't know what you're talking about, and just mm. disregarding what she's saying from the get go. And now I'm pouring gasoline on the argument yeah, or on now, the relationship. Now the, system,
0: now the system is getting offline, and it's yep. going to get fragmented, and it's going to get it's going to get ugly quick.
2: If if our immaturity levels are similar, that's what happens. If her Maturity is greater than mine. She stays within that executive window of tolerance where emotion and intellect are ruling the day. Then she's going to do what she just articulated. Got it. Got it. So And that works. Sorry, Rob. No, that's fine.
1: I'm stealing an image that I use when I work with people of ADHD because they break up executive functioning to eight components. For the sake of this podcast, I'm just going to mention a couple of them. Impulse control. Yep. Thinking before you acting, hmm. emotional control, flexible thinking, self-monitoring. So I think those four components. Um, you know, if we know once we reach a certain, once we're out of our window of tolerance and we reach a certain point of emotional escalation, you know, I'll often use like a thermometer, mm-hmm. you know, with clients. Once we know we're past a point executive functioning is offline, we can't have flexible thinking, we can't have self-monitoring, we don't have emotional control, and we don't have impulse control. Mm -hmm. So guess what? Those conversations are naturally going to become inflammatory.
2: And that, to Ashley's point, generally, we use one term to describe those executive functioning, and that term is self-control.
0: Wow. Uh, We're already at 40 minutes. I mean, we are. This podcast has gone faster than any other episode we've done. (laughs) It seems like I looked at it and I'm like, and and they go fast. We're at 25 minutes, we're at 30 minutes. Okay. Um, Is there any other critical principle that we would categorize as this thing works in family systems over the holidays? Because we've named three good ones.
3: So, one last thing that I want to add based on what we were just talking about is I think that most people. Think that they're using executive functioning when they're arguing a point, and so having maybe uh, the word I want, like the wherewithal to pause and think about, okay, what am I really utilizing right now within this discussion? Because mm-hmm. oftentimes we move away from executive functioning very quickly when we're in a heated discussion.
2: And to your point, we're unaware that we're doing it. Yeah. So the word noticing is, I think, what you're saying. Yeah. Notice how you're feeling, to Ashley's earlier point. Notice if I'm moving.
3: Yeah, back to that self-awareness. Yeah, again.
2: or away from it.
3: And to tie it in, too, to say, you know, self-awareness is so important because, again, the only person you have control over is yourself.
2: Mm-hmm. And so as
0: we think about the holidays, what do you guys have planned for the Christmas season? Anything special
2: coming up? I'm, I don't know. I mean, we'll be spending time with family. So family is important to you. Yes. Right. And my family is very diverse in terms of the issues we talked about today. Got it. Okay. Cause it's going to happen quickly. I mean, we're now about two and a
0: half weeks. Yeah. It's, I knew that this window would close quickly. Yep. And every, like I told my wife, I said, you know, we were in the bathroom and I'm like, I, I just don't have the Christmas spirit. And I was okay with that. Like I have a good spirit. I'm just not ready to catch that spirit because I'm regulated, believe it or not. Like I'm sober and I don't need to jump on the train of something fictitious for me. I'm happy. I'm happy that we're going into the Christmas season. I'm not particularly motivated to buy gifts right now. Maybe that will come online (laughs) and I don't even care if I get gifts. I'm just good with being with family
2: and, Eating some food. Does that mean the Lamborghini that I asked you for is probably not coming my way? Yeah, it's stuck on the cargo boat (laughs) off
0: of (laughs) off of LA. All right, sorry, buddy. Yeah, it's not going to be here anytime soon. How about you, ladies? Anything about the holidays that are of interest as we close in on this window?
1: It's always interesting because my birthday is next week. So, like, oh, happy
0: birthday! Yes.
1: So, like, it's usually like a birthday-Christmas combo. Mm-hmm. Um, and what was really interesting is growing up, um, I grew up in a Jewish family. Mm-hmm. And so it was birthday, Hanukkah, Christmas. Um, and at one point when I was little, I petitioned to celebrate my half-birthday so I could get presents another part of the year. <laughs> For <laughs> sure. I would do the same thing. I might a little bit be a gifts person. Maybe my husband should listen to this <laughs> podcast.
0: Okay. Very good. Hint. <laughs> Elizabeth?
3: Just spending time with family. Nothing big.
0: Very good. I think that's key among all of us is that we get to have time together. And today's time together has been especially a gift for me. Yes. Very pleasurable. Thank you. Thank you for the spontaneity and being here with us. Um, next time I'll give you fair warning, like maybe an hour <laughs> <laughs> or maybe a couple of days. Thanks again, guys, for this topic. If you've been listening and you are finding some of this material valuable, I would encourage you to go back to the series on maturity and intimacy. We did a seven-part series, and that's good stuff that talks about some of the things that we talked about today. But we hope that you have a blessed holiday season, whatever that means to you. Have a great afternoon, evening, morning, wherever that may lead you. Thanks.